0: Asalaamu Alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh and welcome to another session of the doctor's lab. Slight late start again, down to me. Apologies on that technicalities as I was explaining to brother Khalid, Dr. Khalid there. But, um, without further ado, I want to welcome and greet, uh, Dr. Khalid Green, my co-host on this, uh, particular session. Uh, brother Khalid, asalaamu Alaikum rahmatullah.
1: Wa alaykum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Hayakallah.
0: It's a pleasure to be back. Likewise, mashaAllah. And uh, continuing from two weeks ago, Khalid, we were talking about the concept of knowledge and when do we take from the scholars, when we don't take from the scholars. And and this this title, I feel, is, is appropriate, death of expertise and the rise of the self-taught, its effects. And it's, it's based on more of my research and readings. And I know, as you've mentioned, you've, you've been doing some research on this as well. And the reason I wanted to address this, because there are two perspectives that we need to take into consideration when we're speaking about the self-taught. Because some of the greatest ulama of our era, of our contemporary um, era, were self-taught to extents, to an extent, should I say. And we're not speaking in a particular context that we will elaborate upon about those ulama we are talking when we're speaking about the self-taught and i want to clarify this about what is taking place amongst laymen some who have studied a little and those who's not studied at all and so without Being obscure in what I'm saying, I want to refer to a book that I'm reading at the moment Salafism and um, Traditionalism. And uh, it's it's looking at comparatives between the two movements, if you like. And the author in chapter three mentions gatekeepers of knowledge as as a chapter. And I want to go through aspects of this chapter and where references are made to Sheikh al-Albani, the traditionalists, and some of the perspectives of the traditionalists, which we wouldn't have issue with, neither will we have issue with our great um, scholar and alim Sheikh al-Albani. And I want us to look at that, but not extend it to that lower level and context I've just mentioned. Those who are self-teaching, the the YouTubers, the, the, the edutainers, we cannot put them in the same category at all. That's like the night and the day um, in separation. But in this chapter of gatekeepers of knowledge, self-learning and Islamic expertise, the author mentions this, which I think is pertinent. The last 100 years have witnessed an unprecedented rise in the accessibility of information through books, media, and the internet. Print and media put experts and lay people in direct contact after centuries of having clearly distinct roles. This certainly changed the way lay Muslims interact with scripture and scholarship. One of the primary critiques traditionalists make against Salafis is that they are often self-learned. He then mentions why they consider their educational methods necessary, okay, and the proper framework of understanding um, Islam. So he illustrates several factors that facilitated the emergence of self-educated scholars, such as Sheikh Al-Albani, he mentions here. Among them are the Ottoman Empire's collapse, mass education, and the increase in new media. And then he speaks about these elements creating a democratization of knowledge that led to a decline of the traditionalist education and opened a space for the self-taught to emerge as religious authorities. So there's a lot of validity in what he's saying there. He's, he's, he's included Sheikh al-Albani as self-taught, self-taught in that context because he's speaking about him juxtaposed against the traditionalists alongside the traditionalist way of learning and their criticism of Sheikh al-Albani and the Salafis. Now, we know the defences to that, and we will look at some of those um, in... The, the the duration of this particular session before i hand over to you about that observation which i think i hope you would agree with some of the observations made there i want to say Wa salaam Salam, uh, sister malahat sisters brothers who have joined us um regulars there mashallah, sister razina good to see you again walaikum salam so brother khalid Kali, please i don't think there's much that can be disagreed in with regards to the rise in accessibility to information what What do you say concerning those observations
1: well, as you said there there's no disagreement as far as the access to information, okay mm. and the access to knowledge in general. It's much more easier now with the various means of uh, of learning and social media youtube, what have you. Where I do take exception to what was uh said is regard to the uh, this traditionalist versus Salafis. I think that's totally false. If you take one Alam and he just, that's an exception. And it's not that he just is right. just a guy who just learned a few books or something like this. He's an Imam of Ahl Sunnah and a reviver. But think about all of our scholars, just just the ones that we're somewhat familiar with. All of them, I can't think of another single one like el All of them have teachers, they all have a silsila. When you talk about the uh, Ali Sheikh families and stuff like that, they are all re- relatives of Imam Muhammad of the Wahhab. They are in that family. They have taken that's why Sheikh Saleh Ali Sheikh and, and those kind of mashayikh. The way they know those books, Kitabatul Hid and uh, al-Thalatha, all of those books, they have a direct bloodline. So it isn't just you know that they took a, a blood uh, um, transfusion. But the fact is, oh yeah, by the way, my my grandfather, my father, my uncle, they're all ulama, like major ulama, not just, you know, oh, he's a little sheikh here and there. You know, they have a that that's just the Ali Sheikh family. We didn't talk about all of our ulama. They're all, you know, I don't know. So I I I totally reject that in this and you can't take one Alam. And again, I'm I'll, cause I keep saying Alam, he's not also, he's a mountain as well. Yes, yes. And in, even if you wanted to take that one mountain of exception, which, of course, a lot of the groups and sects want to do, mm. it doesn't mean enough, anything. It doesn't mean right. anything. One out of 1,000, 100,000, right. you know, or whatever, right. you know, uh, you understand what I'm saying? From all over in Morocco, in Egypt, in Mauritania, in, you know, uh, scholars from Ahl-Sunnah around the world in Yemen. Come on, Sheikh mukhbil Come on, you know, and all of his students. How many hundreds no, I'm sorry, thousands of students, no, Right. thousands, right. thousands. And that's no exaggeration. I have been in his village when there was at least a thousand, at least a thousand. Right, right. And then it just got more and more and more over the years. So, so in the capacity. So, yeah, it's just. Alhamdulillah,
0: no, so that- this is why I pushed that out to you. Mm. Absolutely right in what you're saying, that Sheikh Albani is an exception. And he is. And as we know, some are saying, and and we wouldn't have any um, issue with that. He was the mujaddid the reviver of of um of this contemporary era, MashaAllah, the, the hadith saying um, there will be a mujaddid every one hundred um, years, MashaAllah, and Sheikh Al Albani is being considered and as
1: as the commenter. Way. Also, Sheikh Al Albani, he did learn Fiqh from his father, I believe it was, and so forth. The yes. Hanafi Fiqh. Yes. So it's yes. not like the guy would he was just in oh some guy he picked up some books and he started learning hadith. That.
0: Yeah, now, but remember that we know this, this is through the lens of those who would be critique, yeah, doing critiques of him. And yeah. that's why it's necessary, I think, why I started with this, the death of expertise and the rise of the self-taught because some accuse him of that. The tuck theories. I remember in the early 90s having heated debates online as the Gulf War broke out where you had Abdullah El-Faisal um, a takfiri questioning Sheikh and others saying who taught him, who named his scholars and everything like this. So this has been something that many have of the, those who are not upon um, the Man Hajar Salaf have been holding as a sort of claim. And as you've said, it's an exception to the rule, but as I will show here, he's been clearly acknowledged by his uh, contemporaries who were heavyweights in their own right as an alim, as a scholar, and this is endorsement and one of the categorizations or classifications of endorsements or acknowledgement of ulama by fellow ulama in that particular instance. So here, um, I want to go through some aspects of this book and then bounce it back to you because I think the clarification and elucidation that emanates from that is very, very important before we look at the more localized Western construct of edutainment and the the rise of those who are self-taught and are causing confusion to some degree, a greater or lesser degree, depending where you're sitting, while they can I very the actionary. And so I think that we should start with looking at this macro seniority um, perspective first. And so here, there was a, uh, somebody called Tom Nichols wrote an article, The Death of Expertise, and he argued that any assertion of expertise produces an explosion of anger and is immediately dismissed as an appeal to authority. He argued that it's not That there are no more experts, but there is a collapse of any distinction between those of any accomplishment in an area and those of none at all. So basically, you've got many who are speaking, you've got individuals, juniors, we've got, we know the hadith of the Ruwaybada, we've got people speaking, lay people, and diminishing the worth or causing doubt on the scholars. We've seen those on um, YouTube mocking and making um, ridicule of Kiba ulama and some of the edicts and fatawa that they've passed in the past. So I think he's referring there and and continues. that This line is blurred by individual second-guessing experts and focusing on the errors and fallibility of specialists to deconstruct their expertise. In such a climate, claims of expertise are viewed as an obvious effort to use credentials to stifle dialogue. Perhaps this is most obvious in the practice of dismissing facts and expert opinions as fake news. I think, Khalid, we've witnessed this. We've seen this diminishing of scholarly positions and uh, edicts by those who can't even tie the laces of the ulama. Would you agree with that?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, And and it's a shameful... Thing I mean, it, it just goes against uh, the, really, in fact, you could say a lot of the usul of the religion because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as we've talked about prior, has exalted the scholars in so many ayat. Mm. You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, uh, mm. And Allah raises those who believe from amongst you and those uh, who are given knowledge different levels. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also mentions that the... People who fear him the most are the ulama. And so many, Allah right. talks about the rabbaniyun, and so many Aharith <inaudible> Rasulullah, whenever Allah wants good for a person, he gives him understanding of the religion. So when you see people who mock, as the Prophet wasallam said, the inheritors of the prophets, the scholars are the inheritors of the prophets. They are mocking the inheritors of the prophets. Uh, And so because they are the ones who carry the message and I want to bring it to that point. You mentioned that they mocked the scholars for for Fatawa that they did in the past or whatever. Okay, the bottom line is when you're an alim that's qualified and you make it based on. The book in the sunnah. You're doing the best to get a, a jurisprudent ruling. For example, I know Dr. Qadi talked about the coffee stuff and, and said, you know, can you believe the ulama? You know, they uh, said this was haram. Well, come on, man. You're a person supposed to be a guy of scholarship yourself, or you claim that, and the people think that about you because you studied here and you studied there. It shows that what you gained, there's a bit, there's quite a bit of uh, shortcomings there. So, Here's a guy talking about his coffee with his Starbucks coffee, and I like coffee too. <laughs> and he's 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 ridiculing the ulama for their fatwa. Well, let's look in the context of the times. They didn't know, you know, if coffee was something new. They were looking for a hookah, and we know that it has a f- effect on your, um, you know, it's a stimulant. It's a stimulant of sorts. Okay, not classified as a drug, but it's a it's a type of stimulant. Okay, so they are looking for a hukam and if they came together and had on, on that and that that's what they saw from their knowledge they are all rewarded regardless of whether you have your starbucks 200 years later and then you're going to look back and ridicule you're not you're looking back and ridiculing them for what they from their ijtihadat had from that error, and that is the ridicule of those people who allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves and subhanallah I've got to read this quote. I've got to because it's you oh, know, I, it's in the context. I'm going to do the best I can to translate it because I I looked and I couldn't find it in English. And this is from uh, Ibn al-Qayyim in his book uh al But the asal of this is a statement of Imam Ahmed in his introduction of a book called Rud al zanadaka al-Jahmiyyah. You know the refutation of the jah, Jahmiyya sect. He says Alhamdulillah ladhi, Ja'ala fi He says, all praise belongs to Allah who has made from every era um, a, a portion of messengers, you could say. Uh and then he, he mentions, huda. He says, Those who remain who are the people of knowledge. Okay, so this shows us the importance of the people of knowledge. And they call the people from misguidance to guidance, and I'll just translate as best I can. Uh, and they are patient upon their harm, and they revive. This is important. ta'ala al mota, and they bring forth life from the book of Allah, the the dead, meaning that you those people are spiritually dead. They're revived by the Quran, and they um. And they have the the insight with the nur of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they give this this uh, this insight to the people who are just the lay persons and that, that they can't see. They give them right. sight, they give sight to those who can't see, if you want to literally translate it more or less. And they also they they, they, they and then he says, so how many that Iblis has killed have they revived? Ablis killed the people with bidah and killed the people with the sins. So the ulama have revived them by spreading elm. We need elmanafia and, and we need the people of elmanafia. And, and then he says, and how, what, and how many from those uh, people who are misguided due to their sins did they receive guidance from them? And he said, and what a beautiful uh, effect upon the people. And he said, and what is ugly and detested. Uh, as an effect upon the people is those people that they negate the uh, they negate like basically Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sifat and the and and from the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they spread their falsehood and the Ta'wila jahilin the 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 misinterpretation of the ignorant ones and they and their spread of bidah and they're also their spread of fitna and they differ with the Quran, and they differ amongst themselves over the Quran, and they are united upon mufarrikat uh, uh, um being away from the book. So, meaning they are the people of bidah innovation, and these YouTubers and these social media pundits, they are united in their difference. Uh, and they're differing with the Quran and the Sunnah, and they differ themselves amongst themselves over the Quran and the Sunnah, showing their the, you know it's it's powerful statement that uh, Imam Ibn Al Qayyim. And then he he mentioned some other things, just talking about the juhal you know, the people of ignorance, and how they uh, uh, they speak about the Book of Allah العلم, without knowledge. So it's all so relevant to what we're talking about. This statement, when I found it, it just unpacked so much. I mean, that alone we could spend the whole time just talking about. Yeah. But It shows you the importance of scholarship, the importance of recognizing the scholars and being aware and beware of the people of innovation and desires for they're differing with the book and the sunnah, their belittlement of the scholars, and they want to resemble the scholars, but they are the most misguided and they misguide others.
0: No, Jamil, what we have mentioned, Alhamdulillah, and, and continuing from that, uh, the, the, the book I've referenced already, he mentions here, the author, popular preachers existed since medieval Islam, but they did not have an outlet like the internet, cassette tapes and printing press to promote themselves. Several medieval, medieval texts portray popular preachers as a threat to religious authority and public morality. They gain followers through charisma, emotional performances, personal appearance and impressive clothing. Some could attract huge crowds of followers and the jurists viewed them with suspicion because they often lacked training or education in law and theology. Mm. So we know this today, we transfer through time, through the ages, what was happening then through these charismatic speakers through the, those who can attract or large audiences. We're seeing that taking place today mm-hmm. just through the medium of, of the internet. So now when the reference is being made here to Salafi self-taught, we've already dismissed that looking at the exception with regards to Sheikh al-Albani. There are other areas here, for example, some try to, to mock Sheikh al-Albani because, because of his profession. And we know that um, Sheikh Al-Abani himself, mashallah, was proud of that trade that he actually had. And I think hearing is an important thing as well Khalid, because Sheikh Al-Abani, we know that he was a watch repairer and maker, and he learned that from his father, as he also learned knowledge from his father, who was a Hanafi scholar, okay? Today, and I'm not frowning upon it, in its absolute sense, but, We see that some of the edutainers, we see that some of the du'at, some of the self-taught, rely solely upon this avenue of dawah for income. Now, again, I'm not frowning upon that. But what I'm saying is, let's look at some of our ulama of the past. They had trades. They had professions. That ran parallel to their religious duties and alhamdulillah we have those who are dedicated in this field and are financially remunerated and in government positions and in non-government positions in organizations and this is all good because it enables them to focus on calling and spreading the dawah but when you've got that taking place within the um, boundaries of entertainment edutainment okay this is when it becomes problematic and you see this happening largely I would say from some of my observations from the self taught Um, I will hasten to add here now and and even though we're on um, um, on this channel and this is a channel of dawah mashallah when I um, you and I are, are not of those who the the want subscriptions of financial subscriptions. And just as quickly, as Sister Razina said, eloquence is not scholarship. And and very, very apt point, just going off tangentially here, we know in Surah Baqarah, Allah says, have you not seen he who um, speech um, bedazzles the people? And they swear that they are calling to Allah, but they're the most quarrelsome of, of individuals. MashaAllah. So yeah, eloquence is not scholarship at all, but speech bedazzles. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam even uh, uh, warned about this. The most someone can come and argue a, a case and he may be more eloquent than his opponent. And and in, in speech in this eloquence is, is a, a form of magic as, as we've been told. So I think we've we've made that distinction um, with regards to Sheikh Albani and Ulama, the exceptional cases, that gathered knowledge and I want to highlight what was said here, which is true. Although Albani has few ijazas, many scholars have characterized him as one of the leading scholars of the 20th century. This is important because his, his, his scholarship is in fact legitimized by other scholars citing him as an authority in the field of hadith. So Sheikh al-Albani has been um, legitimized by kibar by Sirah, by all scholars, even his enemies have recognized, as mm-hmm. you said, not just a scholar, scholar, but an alim. And this is very, very important. So, the, uh, and as you mentioned, when they're trying to dismiss Salafi knowledge or ulama, you've just highlighted at the very start, that the vast majority, we could almost say with confidence, have gone through that process of ijazah, learning, sitting at the feet of their teachers, getting that ijazah, that grueling um, uh, uh, process of learning and transferring in. And those today on, I don't wanna say our level, us juniors, have seldom embarked upon such um, a path, and yet are out there questioning, denigrating, belittling, ulama, and calling to ourselves. And that's why the death of expertise and the rise of the the self-talk, you uh, Khalid couldn't speak to that hadith about the signs of the hour and the knowledge being taken up and how it's being taken up. I hand over to you to to, to elaborate upon that tremendous hadith, inshallah.
1: Well, you, you threw a curve at me. I would have prepared as far as having the hadith and, and so forth, but as, as we know, the hadith of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and many a hadith in which he talked about uh, some of the signs of the hour and in the last days, for example, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, uh, as it was said, Khatta Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, uh, we'll call, Allah. The Prophet sallallahu The wa drew a line in the sand. And he said, this is the path of Allah. And then he drew one on the right and he drew one in the left. And he said, Hadisubur. those are the paths. And at, at the head of every one of those paths is a shaitan. So that lets us know that the people of and desires and the people of disbelief, they have their paths, which are not the sabila law. These deviant paths and they are callers. And as the Prophet ﷺ mentioned in another hadith, the hadith you're referring to, in which that there would be the uh, uh you know, the death of the scholars at the advent of the death of the scholars and the and the juhal, ruus al-juhal, the, the heads of the people of ignorance would would raise up and be speaking basically about the deen, and they would gui- they would be misguided and they would and they would misguide others being misguided and of course what's the end result you're going to misguide others as the prophet said so we see there's so much Mufassid and this right here a lot of those traits and as you said calling to yourself and all of those traits are some of the core traits of Hezbia and sectarianism because those traits if you look at the first sect in Islam the Khawarij, that they were one of the sifat that the scholars uh you know the classical scholars mentioned the salaf and so forth, that they had they were jahil. They 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 did they were jahil of the sunnah. Okay, so they would memorize the Quran, Yaqara Qur'an, but it would not pass their beyond their throats. I mean, it wouldn't affect their hearts. It wouldn't, it was just memorizing in their ibadah. seemed you know, they were strong in their in their worship, but they had no no fahim, no understanding and what did they do they made takfir of the scholars similar to these people who belittle the scholars they may not make takfir of the scholars but they made takfir of the scholars and who were the scholars at that time it was the sahaba radiallahu ta'ala anhum so they you know they had these wicked and evil traits and you see these common traits or you see some of these traits from uh these people who are self taught self callers uh, and so forth haven't done any scholarship you see some of the Mufassid, some of the uh, harmful things that these ignorant people, they they speak without knowledge, and they harm themselves and others, as the Prophet ﷺ said. They, uh, this leads to lying, that it's easy to lie for a lot of them, and they destroy the co- credibility of themselves and the credibility of others. Because they're lying. Oh, I heard this. Uh, this is a, you know, they spread rumors and they they do this without to thub, but without affirming what was heard and the details. They cut and paste. Look at all these. We're living a, a, a crazy time of cut and paste because now with the, the expertise of the people with their graphic skills and their social media, how many people? I, I've had to check people who take some of my videos and they cut and paste. Khalid Green said this about Abu Khadija. Khalid Green said this about this one. Khalid Green, his response, to uh, Muhammad Hijab. And I never maybe even mentioned those people in the lecture. And maybe if it had something to do with traits individuals may possess, that was not my maqsad. That was not my intent. So the people cut and paste to suit their, uh, their, uh, uh, their goals, their own aspirations and their way of uh, belittling people and we see as the original quraish did that ignorance ignorance of under of understanding uh ignorance of the correct understanding leads to religious innovation it leads to all those wicked uh it leads to sinfulness and this is something uh which is uh, it's a travesty because now as you said the democratization of knowledge everyone can speak anyone it's just about popularity click here please subscribe do this get the numbers get the money uh it's it's crazy it's crazy you know you have people openly doing their sins okay she's wearing all kind of makeup she's a muslima supposedly she's doing all kind of just open sins oh hi guys alaikum. here's me and my boyfriend da da, da 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 oh you know and 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 maybe even going to the extent of attacking traditional islam or attacking aspects of islam because of ignorance because of this platform this new platform it allows people to play with the religion it allows people to misguide others and this is where we have uh, as the people keep asking about particular individuals well we can think of some of the for example the the guy in birmingham um brother haji okay this guy is spreading something which is undermining the usul of Wajama. So we have all of these texts of classical scholars in the Salaf and what they said about the issue of rebelling against the leader. But yet this guy, 2,0, uh, years later, he's gonna add something new to the to the uh equation. Is that what he thinks? You know, because he learned a little Arabic and he can cut and paste and pick from this book, pick from this book, and then piece together and come up with foolishness. Where is he gonna be when he stands before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with that? Where is he going to be? And all the people who go to his social media and all the people who listen to him and all the people who follow him and all the people who say, yeah, I love it. All the people who like it and spread it on social media. What about them? Because they 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 make fatwa without knowledge, without kwa'id, <coughs> without usul, without anything, without fiqh And then they spread their bidah their around the planet and all at the with simply hitting the button. May Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala guide us and the
0: people, I mean. I mean, I mean. And with that Khalid, it comes to the next stage then. And I'm gonna continue referencing this book because I think it comes up with some very good points. How does one become a scholar? What are the essential requirements, if any, for one to be deemed an expert of Islam? Yeah. What is the difference between studying with a teacher and self-learning? In traditional Islamic circles, knowledge was primarily meant to be transmitted through the teacher student isnad not solely through books and i know you and i will agree with that mashaAllah mm-hmm. education okay. through a teacher is what made knowledge trustworthy okay the value and authority of knowledge were not in knowledge itself as much as it was being obtained through proper methods okay so the transmission of knowledge um, crystallized in the Islamic legal thought schools and legal schools of thought so here what is being said and expounded here is very important when we're looking at those who are self-taught those who are um, as you've described and as I've mentioned we've referred to the term edutainment Reactionary, reactionary asked for some examples of those who were self-taught or he used the term edutainment um, who were there um, he wanted to be so we can be aware of them. I think what could be said, brother uh, reactionary, reactionary, is Carly has referred to um, uh, individual that is, is prominent on on YouTube and on channels with the descriptions that he's given there. We've got other um, individuals um, who are expounding, and let's be clear, no one is questioning their their class or their, their sincerity. Or saying they're insincere in, in, in this on this occasion. But what to listen to what is being said about what harm, what damage, the risks of harm being caused moving out of that parameter, if you like, that is La- Islamic <laughs> scholasticism has set down from the time of the Prophet has set down. Okay, we have to ask and look at the sifat, the characteristics of those who are speaking. And we have to compare them and use the, the scales of what has been long established since the time of the Prophet. And there's a question that um, um, our, our invigilator, our Brother um, Hassan, has, has put up uh, asking about something for Muslim Brother, um, slightly off the topic. How did Salafis in general during the 90s react to the sudden rise of intellectual Sufis like Hamza Yusuf? Um, and what were the effects on the Salafi dawah? And that's quite a, a good question, um, I think, because from a UK perspective, what we saw was this intellectualism from Hamza Yusuf and other Sufi Um, Muslims that I'm familiar with in the UK um, who took the term traditionalism, um, whereas Salafis would say we're traditional in uh, following the Salaf or adhering to the Salaf. And they were reacting to the effects of Salafia, the impact that Salafism was having up and down the country in the UK, across the West, because of that reference to orthodoxy that reference to authenticity of the texts, that reference to methodological rigor, um, not this esotericism that was prevalent and still is prevalent amongst the Su- Sufi um, tariqas and movements. And we saw some Sufis seeing that, like Hamza Yusuf, Tim Winter, um, and others, and then starting to reference not only an intellectual um, premise of their understanding of Islam. But they started citing Hadith, Afar, and looking to their authenticity. And one of the brothers is completing his PhD on um, an element of this in which (laughs) he showed the publications and books that were being translated um, that became predominant in the West and that influenced the shape and direction of translations in the West with regards to referencing authentic narrations, were none other than the Salafis. This is empirical research and fact that Khalid and I are aware of, as we grew in the 90s. And so, what were the effects on the Salafi dawa? The effects on the Salafi dawa was just to continue what it had predicate, predicated for the likes of Hamza Yusuf and others to start changing their method in propagating. They call their understanding of Islam, and I hope that's answered that question um, comprehensively, but um, Karlin, anything you want to add to that? So I think uh, you know,
1: I think as you as you mentioned uh, that also there was a lot of uh, probably a lot of Salafis ignored. I mean they just <laughs> Hamza Yusuf wasn't necessarily a factor. I think after some time, you know, he, you know, he's very articulate and very, um, uh, his Arabic is, is is good and so forth. And so those kind of things probably, for some people, may have seemed like a challenge for them, you know, and in refuting. Because you don't see a whole lot of extensive refutations of Hamza Yusuf, uh, sadly enough. But yet you found a lot of the brothers uh, and du'at were eating one another up instead. You found that they more focused kind of inward into those closest to them instead of dealing more with knowledge based treaties and refutations of people like Hamza Yusuf. So I think that was just viewed as uh, Hamza Yusuf in his Dawa as a somewhat of a non-factor. But I think it has become, uh, you know, their voices are much louder and their aggressiveness towards the Salafi Dawa. Uh, has become more pronounced as well as i think tim winners is that in cambridge university the professor yeah. okay yeah yeah and those guys uh so they're more because they have immense you know they have a huge platform you know they're well funded huge platforms so you can't totally ignore them i think something not just with humza yusuf but even the effects of um uh, some of the other people that are that you know have deviated in the in allah's religion and their critique of salafism or or salafis has somewhat has had an impact in making some of the salafi du'at more conscious of their criticisms that's why we're having these discussions that we're having now because of all the criticism that have compiled over the years whereas there was a time when even there couldn't be, obviously, self-criticism, but there certain individuals and platforms, for example, the platform in S-Pubs and so forth in Birmingham, could not be uh, criticized. You know, there was a time, especially probably in the late 90s and early 2000s, I think, no one dared to, if you did say even the slightest thing was a, a critique of an individual from amongst them, then this was looked at a question of your Salafia. I mean, they had, and that's why the brothers came together a few years back and they talked about monopolizing Salafia celif- and stuff like that. Those kind of conversations weren't really uh, being, weren't really out there before.
0: Oh, know, there I,
1: was, I mean, maybe there's, there's some, maybe you guys had something in Brixton. I know you guys had her, but still those guys really, they had a huge impact as well as Brixton, but but uh, around you know outside of the UK, like in in the US and in, in Europe. I mean, it was just like you know, and that's why certain people are still under kind of that that spell, I guess you could say. You know, I've heard some younger people say, you know, hey, I believe they're on the hawk, and I said, well, what do you mean that? I mean, what do you mean by that? Who, you know, being on the hawk? So you mean that everything they say and everything that is articulate, you know, that's just because of their lack of knowledge and their they're fooled by certain elements. And that's just, not necessarily to take no. away from those guys. But but I'm just saying yeah. that you have to be careful of this blind following in this blind prejudice, which was allowed to go. Like I said, I was in the room and I asked the question because I didn't know about Abu Osama. A lot of those guys in America, I did not, didn't know who they were. You know, I maybe heard one tape here and there. I came from a time Abu Muslima. Then I, I, you know, I went to Saudi Arabia pretty early on in Yemen. So I was just overseas and I was focusing on learning the Arabic and dealing with directly with the scholars. So what I uh, but but I can remember being in the room, like I said, with a very close relative to Abu Khadija and others in Riyadh and different places. And they mentioned Abu Osama. So they're eating up Abu Sama's flesh. And I said, well, what's wrong with Abu Osama? The room it's like it went silent. Ah. And All eyes went on me. And then they start talking about motorcycles and he wears a leather jacket. He comes to the UK and plays basketball and curses and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I was like, wow, what about what takes you out of Salafi? I mean, why are we, why are you guys, you know, eating his flesh? You know, and this is the kind of thing, there was a, a, a very strong lock and a conspiracy of silence. People saw oppression, but they could not speak. Nah. If you spoke, if you defended, if you commanded the good and forbid the evil, you saw. I, I saw, guys, some of the heads of, of that organization, they were criticizing a particular guy who I was in Yemen with. I was in the other room, literally, when he got the fatwa from Sheikh Mukbil. I was in the masjid, so I knew what he said was true. He put it on the Salafi talk forum, and they called him a liar, and they said all of these things. I was literally there. I was literally in the other room. So I know what he said was true. And he got a fatwa from Sheikh Mukhbal to study with, even in a place of bid'ah, and also two other Brits that got a permission. They say, Sheikh, we can't go to Dimaj. We have big families and this and that and the other, and that and the other. He gave them a fatwa. Okay, yes, you can study here at this Akhwana Muslimin, who is the direct arch enemy of Sheikh in Zindani's university. But with these conditions, they say, Sheikh, we know about Sururiya, we know Khwaniya, we know this, we know this. Can we, you know, because we don't have the access, but we want to benefit. We're in Sanaa. Okay. He gave them the fatwa. Subhanallah. So I was there, but then my point is 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 you know, there was this conspiracy of silence. So this is a very dangerous thing. We got a little bit off topic, but you know, may Allah help
0: us. I mean, I mean, but let me say, mashallah, yeah, I think. Just quickly on that point, um, Salafi publications, um, the cult as I call them, their intention was hegemonic, okay, whereas Brixton's was not. That's just the simple difference between the two when it comes to spreads, effects, everything like that. We were giving Dawa to our community and anyone who wanted to benefit and that happened to be those from up and down the country, other parts of Europe and some who came from America. That's the one thing. Speaking still to the Sufi aspect, and then I want to move on because it's still within. It brings us back into this conversation regarding the um, Sufism. What I did see, however, as well, speaking more to Muslim Brothers' um, point, is individuals like Mahmoud okay, from, from the um, uh, South London area. And we were vehement opponents. Um, When I used to go and pray in Croydon Mosque and the the brothers, when we came to Salafia, we we came to Dean, actually, and then we were upon Salafia from the start. And the tension and the clashes and the unwelcoming that happened in that local mosque there. And they were saying to us, go to Brixton five miles down the road. Basically, don't come here for anything else. And because Mahmoud Naqshbandi was a convert, white British convert, um, very eloquent, very well to do. But on the Sufi tariqa, he had a lot of weight with that local community. Now, seeing him reference, and I met him years later, um, a counter um, radicalization event that I was speaking at, and he actually came and was there. And to hear him praise the Salafis, and mention, because I was there, he mentioned myself. I, when I spoke, I was surprised. In his writings, referencing the most um, uh, effective in this, this area, are the Salafis. And not just comments, he wrote about Salafis and their rise in the 90s and their effects. You've got others who are more sympathetic, if you want to use that term, from the Sufi um, uh, leaning, should I say, delineations, like Yahya Bert, very well-known individual. His father was a very public figure. So that shows, I think, that there was a not coming together. I don't think that that could happen, but an acknowledgement mm. of Salafis, mm. our impact, our influence, our effectiveness. So we spent some time addressing this because I think that sometimes um, we we do speak about sufism and other things, and we show about the the, the misguidance and the the why that that tarika is a misguidance and innovation and everything, and we still hold that, but we have to acknowledge where some have acknowledged us. Okay, and Sister Azina, yes, the Sufis do have really beautiful manners and win hearts. Um, but I would say to you, uh, as you mentioned earlier on, that eloquence is not knowledge. And in the same way, I would say and put a, a, a disclaimer that beautiful manners um, are not, that doesn't equate to being upon the hak. Um, and I'm sure you would agree with me um, um, on that. But then you're saying about, I'm reading the rest of what you're saying about them being quarrelsome and off-putting. Um, yes, we don't dilute the truth. Um, delivery is vital, but we don't dilute the truth. All of what you say there, Sister Rosina, is very, very pertinent and on point. And just briefly now, Khalid, what I wanted to move back to here to show the distinction between the self-taught and the correct methodology of learning, Um, Here, again, referring back to this this very um, informative book. In traditional Islamic learning, students were given tools to understand scripture before approaching it directly. Consequently, the core of the curriculum was the study of fiqh, whereas hadith collections and commentaries on Quran were studied only as supplements to the law. A teacher was essential in this process of learning. As we know, students typically began learning the Quran. Um, firsthand, then they would travel to learn from city to city, speaking and learning from scholars with different specialities. And as the students completed their study, they would get ijazahs. One of the contemporary hadith scholars of today, he explained that people approach classical sources and proof texts directly without studying the basics, basics of Islam. This often results in them considering their opinions to be superior to the former Dahib. Ordinary lay people. You've given some examples of that. Now, what, the, what we've seen as well, historically, there's an important thing here. Unlike modern university systems today, this book is saying it was not where one studied that was important, but rather with whom they studied. Mm. And that still applies today. But we've got self-taught, I mentioned this previously, we've got those who are self-taught dismissing knowledge, as it relates to the ijazah system. They may say, Oh, Sheikh such and such saw me. I visited him on Hajj or Umrah, or I spent a few weeks with him, and he said that um he's a wise man, take from him, he's a he's an upcoming student, take from him. And they've taken that comment and compliment of the scholar as an ijazah to go and teach, to go and give dawah in the West. And basically, that uh, I believe that's making a mockery. Of this very very fundamental aspect of scholasticism, and I think Khalid, you would agree with me to to an extent with that. I think that that minimising, just like we see what happened with Ilm Mustalah Hadith, the science of the sciences of Hadith, we mm-hmm. saw lay people using these terms. We know now long gone of Jahaqatatil and using these terms that scholars used and bringing it to the level of laymen and using it against laymen and alhamdulillah i and those who were with me in the communities i come from were not those who were um silenced by this cult as i call them we existed before they um they were around and i suppose those who came under the hegemonic grasp of that organization feared Um, and its effects upon them and oh we're going to go and report you to a scholar to be honest with you the taskir comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it should be that fearing what anyone's going to say about you because someone's going to tell a story or lie concerning you shows something about the weakness of your understanding of the deen and the import of how you should be as a Muslim if that's something that you live your life according to unfortunately a number of Salafis did and continue to. I continue hand over t- to continue to what where is it, uh yes, yeah, be being, by, yeah, yeah, being called out, or if they yeah. fall out with the cult leaders, they will be denigrated, marginalized, and they fear that. And this speaks more to the bullying of this cult, and it also speaks more to the lack of knowledge and ignorance of those who fear this. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I probably wouldn't be as harsh or I'm not as harsh in my critique as far as I think there was a real conspiracy of uh, of silence. And, and and what I mean is there was a fear and I think there is some legitimacy. I mean, we see this. Yeah, you shouldn't fear. Of course, your your true fear, your true khawf when it comes to ibadah, this is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But there right. is what is known as uh, a tabi'i, a natural fear and part perhaps a part of that natural fear is the need to be accepted i mean if you're calling a uh, you're doing dawah and then all of a sudden everyone i'm talking everyone they begin to re- reject so for example you have this platform you have your website you have other venue. If everyone all of a sudden shut down and said, Dr. Abdul Haq, no, you're not going to, no more doctor's lab, no more other programs you're doing. Your, even your website shuts down your, uh, conferences that you attend and stuff. They say, no, 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 no. The words come out. Uh, you know, so when there is this, there, there is a natural, um, Need for that human interaction and that communication, because the reality is people's whole lives and worlds were shut down. I mean, I know some certain du'ats I could name right now whose lives were devastated when they were when it was then brought to the scholar and most of the Salafi communities rejected this individual. It became such a. Uh, a thing. I mean, it caused one. He was had multiple wives. One of his wives couldn't stand the pressure, so there was divorce, or she, you know, wanted divorce. She wanted out of the marriage because of that. You know, it just affects everything. It affects people's children. I mean, it's it's real. It's very real because you know this is our platform for articulating Islamic knowledge. If no one wants to listen, where are you going to? You know, you know, you understand what I mean.
0: I hear. What, I hear what you're saying, and. And uh, the reason why I will beg to differ with you on that, and and I'm speaking from experience before this cult emerged and I I knew them, you know, I know those members before they they went in the direction that they went into. For anyone to place themselves in an environment or in a, a context where that can happen to them, their family and everything like that, they need to ask themselves, what are they doing? Because to be, you've met, given examples. If my website shut down or no one's taking, I don't look to see how many followers, how many listens, people need to listen. I don't care about that. Shall i tell you why, Carly? because the premise of what we should be doing should be, as we saw in Surah Araf, I think it's Ayat 157, the people came to the preachers and said, why are you um, calling to a people who are about to be destroyed? They said, perhaps, they, perchance they may fear Allah, and that we may be free from guilt before our Lord. We know of the narrations regarding some of the NBR who are going to come with no prophet, no followers, and one follower, two followers. We know of these narrations. These narrations should be a, a focusing and refocusing point for us as to if we are going to be speaking and sharing a little bit of what we believe we know, what is the reason we are doing that? There is no authority. Okay, except if you're a part of a Muslim society and you are part of the establishment, or you've been given license to teach and everything, there's no authority that can should be able to cause such devastation if you are no longer um, uh, authenticated or endorsed by them. And so I, it's happened. It is a reality. I know it's happened to individuals. It's caused distress. It's caused family breakdowns and everything. That is a reality. But I will still come back and ask. How did such communities, people allow an entity to rise, to be able to dictate that to them? Because that is the problem. So sorry, for me, I say, no, that has never been an issue. Even my local community, um, if I'm ostracized by them or whatever, that's not going to be anything where, okay, I've I've exposed my family to such an extent that we're either part of the community, and if they ostracize us, then it's going to cause us distress. No, that's not what I came to this dean for. That's not what I understand about this dean. This is not what I understand about calling to the door and everything. And so, when you've got that happening, then everyone—those it's being done to, those who've set up their communities, their organizations like that—need to check themselves as to. Why are they here? Why are they doing what they're doing? And unfortunately, with the self-taught, that's been a a beating rod that some of them have used to ostracize others. As you've been taught, if you teach on the internet, we are going to warn against you. When it used to be um, power talk, they'd go into rooms you cannot teach without our permission. They went to London, you cannot talk it unless we give you permission to talk. And individuals have become afraid of that. Why? Why? This is something that is unacceptable and you you would agree it's unacceptable. But then I would say to the individuals who have let that happen or found themselves in that space where they're feeling that fear, that concern that a scholar is going to speak against them and such like, you know, I've had some of the scholars speak against me and I've said, "Okay, is it true? No, it's not true. We're in the law. We're in Saudi. We're in a Muslim country. Let's take it to legal. Let's see. Let's see what Sharia courts have to say about that, even if it didn't go that far is this true before the, before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala no it's not my salafia doesn't come from anybody my 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 islam is not for anybody that's that's the 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 asl of where we should be and that's why self-taught in the context of what we're speaking about is devastating because it causes harm not only to the individuals who are self-taught who become even more self-aggrandizing Thinking that the more followers that they have, they must be doing the the right thing, but it causes devastation to others who they then chastise or decide to target, and it's a huge problem, because ulama, when they speak with knowledge and I mean knowledge and information about individuals, contemporaries or others, they do it because they believe it to be the truth and they have the evidences before them, fearing Allah. The I'm not saying,
1: I'm not saying that, uh, that it's not about standing for the truth and sincerity and all those things. But if we look at the, the nature of human beings, we go to the Prophet Muhammad, wa he was saddened. He was saddened by being rejected by his people by being stoned. This is what I'm talking about. These are natural reactions. If your whole community, everything in your world changes and is against you, your own family maybe, that's real. Those are real things. We can't just say, yes, I'm going to be the strongest. I'm going to be Malcolm and stuff. Malcolm was was sad, too. Malcolm mm. was distraught by breaking with the nation. He still stepped on the truth. He spoke the truth. But he was really hurting inside. And even some of the research shows that in a minute, he would have loved to reconcile with them. In a minute, he would have, even though he came to true Islam. Right, these are real things. I mean, you can only imagine the context at the time. And I'm now going to go shift on Malcolm real quick. But they were hypocrite. they want you know, Farrakhan, they were writing in the paper that he helped found and stuff, you know, cut images of his head being cut off. This is you can only imagine the death threats, people coming to your house, rolling up on your house, those famous pictures with his AK or whatever he had. That's real. The Prophet, all the the husn you know he had sadness he was being rejected by his own people but he still made dua for them he didn't give up his call so my 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 point is is that, but there's real there's real uh repercussions and real uh, things. It doesn't mean we give up the call. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is we cannot ignore those real things. And, and there is a community of acceptance. If everyone shuts down, if everyone, if I all of a sudden had no one listening to my YouTube, and I've thought about this many times, just stop Dawa. I just have my books and I'll just read my books. Okay. Because I did not, you know, what do I want to talk to myself for? I could just read books and do my own thing, you know? but you you do want there is a level of human acceptance you want somebody to benefit from you if no one if i if i determine that no one's benefiting from me really I, i'm just kind of wasting my time well let me just Shut it all down. but you're know not, not. But you're not
0: though. The problem is, as a like,
1: I'm not talking about the extreme extent of you know wanting the followers and says but you do want everyone. It's a human nature. Imam Ahmed he's being persecuted, persecuted by the leaders. Do he wasn't. They weren't happy, they weren't happy about these things. They were no, not being in prison, being no. stured, now. Whipped
0: now what I'm saying though, the point I'm making is this I agree with you on that, and khair for bringing that, that balance there. What I'm saying is, all we are to do, those of us who are in this field who believe we have something to offer, is to convey the message and keep it moving. That yeah, is it. that's it. If, if, if it's one person who's looking at this this video, I'm this, uh, sorry, not the video, looking at our videos or reading art, if it's one person, fair enough. If it's none, then at least we've put out the hujja as we know it. We've conveyed the message as we know. conveyed the message, even if it's one ayat. Yeah. That should be the asl, the beginning. The begin question is your message,
1: are you really conveying the message? If no one, no one is listening. Everywhere you go is rejection. You begin, you're going to begin probably in questioning. Well, am I really calling to the truth? Maybe I'm, you know, maybe that's the problem. So that, I mean, those are real, those are real <laughs> obstacles. We know the <laughs> Prophet <ﷺ> said, <laughs> If Allah guides one person to your hand, it's better for you than the red camels. But not everyone can can operate by that, by just w- that, you know, they, they, you know, you're dedicating your time, your energy in your life. There's no compensation. You hope you're getting compensation in the hereafter at least, yeah. but there comes a time when you're doing it. It's like, Hey, I got to work. I got to do the Why am I wasting time with this doing dawah and stuff like that? So these are real nice, uh, things, especially nice. if it's all rejected and you're getting threatened and people you know, hate you, <laughs> there's nobody listens to you. And what you those are now? real things, those are real things. That's Khaled, what I'm saying. I, I've been, I've been in the heart
0: of that, as yeah. you know. Chuck theories. But you still I, had a crew, you still had many people who supported you. That's the thing, oh, okay? Khaled, okay, Khalid, but but I lost, I, I lost friends yes. and colleagues on the way. That's gonna be, uh, and that, that wasn't because of what was being said, egos, emotions. I was partly to blame, you could say as well. But the point of the matter is this. If, if you, as you said, is my message effective? No one's, it's being rejected. Then what we have, alhamdulillah, we go back to our scholars. We, you know, scholars directly, you can refer to. Sheikh, this is what I'm doing. Here's evidence of what I'm doing, but it's been shut down. People are closing doors, but the Sheikh says, no, this is the haq. He gives you um, evidences that this happened to ambiar scholars, the righteous people before, then you continue. That's it, you continue. And that, for me, reason we're speaking on this at this particular point so emphatically, Khaled, and I don't think we're too far off from what we're saying. We're saying pretty much the same thing, but coming from different angles. The self-taught now are so focused on followers, likes, Ooh. shares, the subscriptions, money. <laughs> money. I won't say the money part, because um, I, I, we don't know what's in the intention there uh, from them. But I remember it's sitting with,
1: obvious from the from a lot of those things, their projects that they're running and stuff. And no, no, I mean, I'm not. When you're asking, no, and
0: you know, I need yeah. 20, no, i mean, no, no, no,
1: 50,000 no, I mean, pounds.
0: yeah, I hear you. But it's what right. I'm saying is what I remember sitting with two. I'm not going to mention who they were. Um, two individuals who have got a huge YouTube presence in their own right, and I've not met them before. And when I met them on this first occasion, because they wanted me to do something. And I heard them saying, "Well, yeah, we won't put this on my channel because my followers won't really follow it, and they like this, and I won't get that many likes. But your channel does such and such, and you will definitely get the likes on this." There was another third individual who had a particular uh, brand of video that he would put up, and because he would get particular types of viewings and hits, and and it was always that and controversial and everything. And for me, looking at that and looking at the individuals who were doing that, not a single one of them were students of knowledge, bona fide students of knowledge that had studied, gone away and studied everything. Certainly none of them were scholars. All of them were self-taught. And even I would question, I know we're talking about the rise of the self-taught, but I would put self-taught stroke edutainers because the latter is what we're seeing a preponderance of of course and calling and doing anything to ensure they have the likes and the followers and this is detracting from the traditional proper learning of the deen and if that continues it will continue to dilute the message that's been portrayed of islam to non-Muslims and to um, Muslims wanting to get more authentic, or orthodox, or authentic learning, and it's a danger. And this is why we send the depth of expertise. Now, that doesn't mean you and I are saying that we are experts. From a Western academic perspective, those who possess PhDs are considered ex- experts. But if we look at the overall perspective of Yes, charlatans, Peter Sayer. Yes, they are (laughs) are charlatans. Thank you for that. That's a word that I should have used. When we look at the the context of our learning within the wider scope of things, I don't think you would mind me saying, we know little or next to nothing in comparison to the true scholars, the ulama. Looking at some of the things that I've mentioned about the, the, the lineage of learning, the systematic um, um, learning that was taking place, the ijazas, where you begin, the basics with which you start before you move on to learning Bukhari, memorizing Bukhari and Hadith and Ilman Rijal and all of these things here, al-raqa'iq, al-raqa'iq and how that affects the heart and knowing and practicing it and being upon aspects of it yourself. The difference between expertise, self-taught and edutainers, is that the former have embarked upon Mm. that very lengthy, tiring road to inherit from the Ambien. Whereas the latter two descriptions have done no such thing. They've just monopolized upon the technology of the age, their charisma, personalities, and the mass followings that they have today. Absolutely. And I think it's a
1: great danger, as you mentioned. Uh, and Allah knows best if it'll even turn around because this has probably been part of the Sunnah of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala that you'd have a lot of uh, people of deviancy. And as the Prophet Sallallahu said, that would call to uh, the paths of, of wickedness or you know those distractions instead of calling to the book in the Sunnah. so I think that is a real uh, a real it's a reality. I mean and sometimes I do look in, and look at how how I see uh, you know you look at those, for example, we were talking about those Sufis. well, they get like literally hundreds of thousands of hits and I look at some of the brothers calling to the Sunnah and they literally have a hundred hits on their videos. You know, without getting too caught up in it, but it just shows the radical difference. Likewise, with those edutainers, you see a lot of that and you see that people, they have to do, as they say, the clickbait and they have to do the can't get into controversial matters, you know, that they have to get into these things to get more likes, to get more views, to get. And you're just like, what are you spreading of Islam? You know what? What is the end result? And a lot of times, you can even see the end result. For example, the guy who wanted, who debated and got in some argument with uh, uh the atheist or whatever, then the atheist tears up the Quran and eats the Quran. You have to understand what, what kind of dawah is that? What was the end result of your your methodology, your means of giving dawah? You should be calling to the book and the sunnah based on the way of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi If that is your you know, if that's what you're trying to do, if you're trying to do entertainment, well, then maybe you need to be in the entertainment field, not necessarily Dawa and entertainment Dawa. So this is a very um, it, it, it's it's kind of a travesty, you know, because, as you said, it, the end result is it dilutes uh, people's learning of the dean and they don't want to have a desire. They just want controversy. They just want names. They want something, sh- you know, to click on. To listen, it's not like they're going to sit and do a book, or they're going to learn something more about their iman, or something like this. But rather, it's at entertainment, well long right.
0: as, as you said, the clickbait and Jordan um, uh, Jordan Peterson as the reactionary saying that the uh, Muslims are drooling over him. I haven't watched the videos. I haven't followed um, um, that in, in its entirety. And and there's a thing there um, as well. When you get distracted by the edutainers to understand what is taking place in, in that, that that area, you yourself can become distracted by that. As Hassan is posting and highlighting there, there are those Muslim influences chasing likes and money, um, channels earning up to $10,000 per month, and they're exploiting Islam for gains in the dunya. Um, they're looking at the algorithms and how to maintain that algorithm, um, to earn the finances, to earn the popularity. Remember, some may not be earning finances, but we know that popularity is a drug. We know, we know fame is a drug. Um, I remember years ago, there was a Muslim edutainer and uh, he turned up in London. I can't remember what his name was. I was watching the videos and um, unfortunately, some of the young individuals that I knew were going to see him and literally he just turned up to be there and told everyone he's going to be in Hyde Park or whatever. And all these young Muslims turned up and were drooling at hijabs and everything and, and getting pictures with him. Some were crying and he did absolutely nothing. But because of his popularity, we're going back 10 years or more, it's just come to mind now because of his popularity. That in itself is a drug. And controversy follows such edutainers because they caught controversy, because that's what gets them the attention that they require. Even if it means clout is a drug, absolutely. Even if it means saying things that are outrageous regarding the deen of Allah. And we know that, I remember sitting with scholars many years ago in the 90s, and they mentioned about the individuals, how they they seek innovation. So they may have learnt Qur'an, and because so many of hifz of Qur'an, then they don't stand out from many in that instance. They may then have learnt plethora of hadith. Again, that's something that's done by many muhadithin. So they don't obtain, Fame in this particular instance. Then they start moving in a direction and making statements about the dean that others haven't made before or bringing concepts or questioning concepts that others haven't made before. And that starts turning heads towards them, positive and negative. But it's the attention that they want. And they start formulating their ideas and their bidder and innovation upon that. And this happens with self-taught as well, and we've seen that. We've seen, unfortunately, some individuals who were upon Salafia, and you know who I'm referring to here, who were doing refutations, who were speaking and doing things, and they've actually, from what we are seeing, apparently exited the deen Mm. in America, with statements not only questioning Allah, but doubting particular um, things vocally and have got a following from non-muslims and Muslims regarding the doubts that they are put expounding about Allah. I only listened to the introduction of um, one of the um, things I know the individual have been communicating with him previously many many uh, months ago a year, few years ago as well. and when you are self-taught, that is the risk. When you are self-taught, the grounding isn't there. And if we are self-taught, because some of us to a greater extent are, then we shouldn't push out that self-teaching without verification and referencing of the ulama. That's very clear. We should not speak beyond our remit. Yeah. And What what I was going to say
1: is is knowing your level, that's the bottom line. Even if you... With, regardless of your level of of study whether you're sheikh compared to the ulama compared to an alam rabbani that you know your your level you know your your level otherwise and, and the scholars have talked about this extensively you'll find many uh, works ibn al-qayyum and others speaking about this and and even athar of the salaf but knowing your level is so important because if you don't uh know it's it's too easy to speak without without knowledge and get too excited and, and say something and you're in a public forum. I mean, it happens. All of us make mistakes as the prophet ﷺ said, all the children of Adam commit sins or make mistakes. And the best of those are those who repent. But at the same time, the ones who are self-taught, as you mentioned, that they they have gaps in their knowledge. They tend to make more mistakes uh, and then they make Fatwa without knowledge, when they when they shouldn't even be making fatwa. Mm-hmm. And I end with this: I, I was visiting Sheikh Saleh Sahimi when when I lived in Medina, <clears throat> and um, I asked him about uh, going to a particular place because I don't want to mention. And he said, "So and so is our Sheikh. He said, "Have a sheikhana," but he said those who came after him, they. You, you see, uh, uh, you, uh, you see, he said those who came after him, meaning his students, they make many mistakes and they get it correct sometimes. and then he mentioned that particular sheikh who had already passed and he said that he he got it correct a lot and he would sometimes make mistakes. So that was a very important thing. And these are all ulama that we're talking about. You know, this is in the spirit of ulama because I was asking him a particular question and then he mentioned about that and he mentioned uh, specifically, uh, you know, a, a particular alam, but his, his students, some of the issues going on there. So this, this shows it, this happens with ulama. What about those, as you said, that are self taught? We see it all the time. You see so many people, they want to get a new forum. They want to start a, a YouTube channel. I mean, I get people who ask me, what do you think, brother, should I start a YouTube channel? I said, no, you should continue studying. You know, oh, you just started studying? Well, give it some time. I, I didn't start even, I started a YouTube channel for uh, revising my knowledge, really, that, so I wouldn't forget, because I was still living in Saudi Arabia. That was why I did it, for revising. And that was after many years of study. And many years with ulama, So, you know, you're going to start studying after a year and you're going to start. I, I say, be patient. So, and, no. and you see the, what happens when they're not. A lot of times they rush. And then all of a sudden they're making fatawa and they're talking about jihad. And next thing you know, they're under the prison. I know a particular brother like this said, hey, let's do a collaboration. Then I see in the news about a couple months later, a brother sent me the article because uh, this is in Seattle. And he said, you know, so-and-so, man, this is what happened. I saw that thing. You know, and alhamdulillah, I wasn't gonna do a collaboration with him anyway, but but I told him, I tried to advise him, just seek knowledge, man. Don't don't you know, didn't want to listen. Went on self-taught, self-taught jihadi. Next thing you know, he's under the prison. Maybe he'll get out in the next, I don't know, 10 years or something. He's already
0: probably served 10 years now. <laughs> but Allah well, Mustan. I think we conclude on on this point um uh, good question by a muslim brother um i'm going to let you answer that, but i'm going to say with regards to the hadith we we speak about it and and, and it is pertinent it's relevant today about the Rawabada, where no. the lying the, the the liar will be seen as truthful, and the truthful will be seen as liar, as as the liar, and then mm-hmm. our Rway Bada will speak. And they asked, yeah. the, the companions asked the Prophet Sallallahu um, Alaihi what is or who are the Raway And yeah. he said, he replied, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the lying, sinful person who speaks um, out about public, um, the ignorant person who speaks out uh, about public affairs, one who's raising himself as though he is the one who has um, the knowledge. And I think yeah. that if you, with expertise, if you required a heart surgeon, If you required a brain surgeon, you wouldn't go to a dentist or you would not go to someone who says, I'm finishing my two years, I've got two years to go. I can do this brain surgery, I've read it in the book. I can do this heart surgery, I've read it in the book. Sit down, I can do it. You would never go to these individuals for your life to deal with dunya, with your health in the dunya. So how is it that we are following listening to, adhering to, self-taught educators who may be sincere, who do not have that knowledge that can direct us comprehensively towards our akhira. Mm. Which is much more important than brain surgery and heart surgery as it relates to hereafter mm. no ibn al Qayyim has some
1: speech very similar to that i think in as well um i found that hadith the hadith just happened to be on the next page of this other book that i have here that you were mentioning in the beginning in the law in that verily Allah, he does not take knowledge uh, from... He's not going to take knowledge just uh, just by taking it in that sense. But he takes it by the death of the ulama. He said... He said... He said... Until there doesn't remain even a scholar then the people will take the heads of ignorance uh, and and they will be asked and they will make fatwa without knowledge and they are misguided and they will misguide others. And so that's that exact hadith we were, we were talking about in the beginning. I just happened to find it and actually it's a hadith in Bukhari in Kitab Al-Ilm. But Someone made a question about when you're ready to give DAO on the YouTube or how does one know they're ready to start giving Dao on the Internet? You know, looking at the basically you want to give Dawa to yourself. If you're gaining knowledge, you should seek knowledge to benefit yourself. And and one thing, this is funny that yasser Qadi said this, because actually I have a lot of quotes of his in my research, some that I'm refuting and some that I'm highlighting and making some points. And this is another point I was going to mention that with all the critics, critiques of uh, Salafism from Yasser Qadi, from uh Hamza Yusuf, from the Sufis, and 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 even Orientalists or whatever, that this has put pressure and it has caused a reaction of ahl Sunnah to where now and 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 from other people criticizing Salafis and so forth, where you see the scholars doing more durus about self-purification about manners and stuff. I noticed that in Medina because that was the criticism around the world, in Indonesia, in Somalia, in Ethiopia, in Algeria, the the people, the other Muslims criticizing Salafis because of the lack of manners they were seeing. It's already there in the deen. It's already there in the book, and in the sunnah. But unfortunately, a lot of us and students from around the world, not understanding. This isn't something unique to Birmingham. This is really an... You know, I've seen it in my travels. I've seen it in Indonesia. I've seen it on the ground in Ethiopia. And so the, you know, those are real problems. So that that pressure, that outside pressure, that causes a reaction. Sometimes it's a positive reaction. Sometimes you need the pressure, even from your enemies, to get right correct. You know what I mean? Uh Got off topic, but how does one know they're ready to start giving down? So focus. Focusing on and this the point I was gonna say, I opened this up because Yasser Kadi mentions, he said in the 90s, he said that what it seemed like, which kind of differed between contemporary times, is that a lot of the people he said that went out to travel to seek knowledge were very sincere. It appeared that they were very sincere, even regardless of whatever path they were on, whether it was the Hamza Yusufs and those guys going to Syria and Mauritania. Because I knew one, I know one of his teachers in his institute and i met him when he used to sell incense and oils on the street now he's sheikh abdul karim okay big sufi sheikh in uh, his institute uh hamza yusuf institute but he went to mauritania i later went to yemen and you know we went on our divergent paths uh the point is is a lot of people in those times were you could see a different kind of seriousness you know there wasn't the internet there wasn't all of those kind of distractions. And it wasn't, it was a big deal. It was popular to seek knowledge, but it wasn't quite like, you understand now it's a different, it's a trendiness. There was a right. lot of people went, they came back quickly. I met a lot of Brits who went to Yemen for a month or two and they couldn't deal with it or Germans or whatever. And people from all over the world. Uh, but now it's such a different kind of badge, a different trend, I, I would say. And maybe now you know the trends they, they become trends. So, what I would say there was a different kind of sincerity. So, what I would say, a person getting ready to give down the internet, sincerity, start with sincerity, because we I wanted to just raise lift the ignorance for myself. I never thought about being any ma'am. When I left to go in those days, I never wanted to be any ma'am or even be in a public thing, I didn't think I was going to, you know, that wasn't what I, I just wanted to lift the ignorance for myself and I wanted to be an asset to my community. I wanted to come back, teach the brothers and pe- sisters around me, okay? So this is very important to to have your intention for subhanahu wa ta'ala and have that, inten- that intention. You will know when you have, you know, it can be from a tesquia, from a scholar or something, but when you start to branch out to those platforms, you know, it's not like A, B, C, D needs to be in place. But you will kind of know, and that comes from your sincerity and why you're going on the Internet. Do you have something to offer if you've studied? You know, so that's that's the thing we should study. And then we share that knowledge, beginning with ourselves and our families and those around us and then broader in a broader scale. So I don't know if that kind of answers it, but very important to have sincerity. And you'll you'll know when, you know, when and if you should be out in a public forum like that. Too many people Dezaku want
0: Allah to Allah be Allah. in the public, you know? May Allah, Allah um, you know For I mean? that, I want to say to, to our brothers yeah. and sisters, for your compliments um, there. I think that um, we'll conclude on this point and we're all self-taught mm-hmm. to an extent, okay? Because we can't sit at the feet of the scholars. But one of the important things that we should do is check where where we're learning, what we're learning and reference to scholars to ensure that what we're understanding is correct. That's that's the, uh, that's the advice to myself first and foremost, and if I can offer that advice to yourselves, um, Brother Carl has, has expounded a class, sincerity is the very first point that we should be looking at and with that, we've gone over again as Khalid and I do because it's every two weeks that we speak and there's so much to cover. We've gone up to nearly an hour and a half again. Please accept our apologies for holding you for nearly half an hour beyond where we intended. Um, and we look forward to seeing you in two weeks where we hope to discuss other important aspects. Um, thank you, Muslim Brother Waiyag. Other important aspects that can benefit us, here to for your contributions, Muslim brother, Razina, reactionary. Um, the, those of you who contributed, as you can see, we like to keep it organic as well. And where we are able to address some of the points that you raise and answer some of the questions, we do so within our capacity, Marshal. So I would say, brother Karli, Jazakumalikir again. alaikum,
1: Wa Wa salam, rahmatullahi